there were some genuine reactions to this. So I wanted to show a video of just kind of like eight or nine people reacting to it at once. And so if we could go ahead and uh, play that clip. If we could, uh, yeah, there we go. My favorite is the baby looking at her dad in the bottom left. Like, what are you So these these guys were just I mean beside themselves like in the the mo I mean the first question is like how can uh, a little like one and a half minute clip where it doesn't show you a whole lot make you just cry because that girl that bottom girl was crying the entire length of the movie like I mean it was just literally I can't imagine actually watching the movie with her just her just sobbing the entire time. And then for some reason, when, like, they're, I love the people that watch these teasers. And, like, so, like, the Millennium Falcon shows up. And they're like, Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon. And you're, they're just like, yeah, we're watching too. You don't need a point. Um, and it's just, and then, but then my other thing is, like, don't, don't they know, like, expectations can be kind of dangerous sometimes? Like, to raise this level of standard of just like, oh, this movie is literally going to change my life from watching it. I can't wait for it to come out. I mean, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. That's just my opinion. That's why I kind of try and stay away from those teaser trailers because they don't really show you anything. But just to get you excited and get you to talk about it. And so, but what, what that spawned was people who just like dissected frame by frame every little thing, like trying to guess what was going to happen trying to, to plot out, okay, well, this is what this character is going to do. And, oh, man, th so that must mean this and this. And people get really into it. But, you know, like, and so I, I want to have that type of love. I want to have, like, that type of appreciation for something like the Bible, which it claims to be the truth. It claims to be, you know, a, a light at your feet to guide you on your way. I mean, just read Psalm 119 and get the full perspective of, of one guy who, who loved it as much as that girl on the bottom of the screen loved Star Wars. And so um, I think there's a story 
in the Old Testament that kind of describes this perfectly. And it's the story of King Josiah. And so if we could be turning in our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 22. And so um, as this picture shows, um, King Josiah was, was eight years old when he first became king. And so we're just literally going to start at the beginning of the story. We're going to jump around, and I'm going to try and give you some background as to why. Why is this story so important? Because there's something remarkable at the end that God describes King Josiah as in the, in, the, in the Bible of someone, there's no king before him or after him that loved the book of the law like Josiah. And so if we're all in 2 Kings chapter 22, we'll go ahead and start reading. Uh, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jediah. That's a Jedi name right there. Um, <laughs> daughter of Adiah, and she was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And if you're familiar with this book, that phrase, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, is not very common. Uh, kings and leaders throughout the books of, of Kings and Chronicles, the most common phrase was he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so the kings before Josiah, uh, Amon and, Man and Manasseh specifically, were two of those kings. And so you've got... And if you want to read up on King Manasseh, he, you know, he's got a little bit of an interesting story, but there's two, uh, two references for you if you want to kind of get that, that uh, background down. But let's just say uh, the book of the Lord needed to be found <laughs> after these kings reigned. And so there was a lot of just, I mean, they weren't following the law. They literally were not reading scripture. They were not doing anything. They were, they were just, they were literally following the pagan gods. And as we read the story, you'll see these pagan gods pop up. But I wanted to kind of give you a, a view about what it actually means to worship a pagan god. Because it's frightening. And I think the Bible sometimes just describes it as burning incense to these gods. And whereas that's true, but you also burn incense to God. They also burned incense to God. So what, what was the difference between worshiping someone like God, the king of Israel, Yahweh, versus uh, Baal, for instance. And that's one of them. And so Baal in the, in, in the Semitic languages meant Lord. And so the reason why people of Israel would worship Baal is because they believe they were worshiping their God. And so they had replaced God with Baal. It wasn't just like, uh, no, God, I don't like what you're doing with us. I'm going to bow down to Baal. It wasn't really that. It was them being tricked into, say, into thinking, oh, you guys are worshiping the Lord too? We are worshiping the Lord. Oh, what? Oh, I've never heard of sacrificing a child. But if that's how you worship the Lord, that's how we're going to worship the Lord too. You know, and, it, and it's this, and you build a different altar to him. And they'll show you, and the, and the other kingdom, and that's why. And you'll see why. It's like that's why there's so many laws in the Old Testament saying don't have anything to do with them. They're just going to trick you. Because the way pagan religions worked is if you needed crops to survive and you needed to win battles to continue on as a people. And so you would sacrifice 
to whatever God would allow you to win. You would sacrifice to, what, to whatever means to get that victory or to get that crop. We need rain, so I need to sacrifice my child so that we will get rain. We need to win this battle, and the Moabites worshipped a, a God that, that he demanded human sacrifice. So you would have to sacrifice somebody to be able to be confident in going into that battle. People believe so much that God's had control of all of these things that there's a battle in around in, in, in the BC, the if like 500 BC between the uh, Babylonians and the Assyrians, where there was a solar eclipse that happened in the middle of their battle. If you remember back to the solar eclipse that we had, like some of the areas of the world kind of went dark. And so that was what happened in the middle of their battle. So they're literally in the middle and the heat of battle, you know, fighting each other, solar eclipse happens and both sides get so freaked out because they're like, the gods aren't with us. They just gave us a sign. We have to stop, you know, chopping each other's heads off. Like we have to stop right now. And they literally stopped the battle. <laughs> and they found like a way to, I don't know, a way to, way to create peace or whatever. I mean, it was, it's insane how much faith and how much, I guess we call it superstition, but it's still a faith in a God. And so when they're worshiping Baal, they believe that they're worshiping the Lord of their lives. And so another one of those, these uh, gods is called Asherah. And that should be pretty, pretty familiar with you because of the Asherah poles they were, that people were constantly cutting down um, and, and burning. And so an Asherah pole kind of looked like this. Um, probably not, looks a little bit nicer than that, what they were able to do back in the day. But um, this was Baal's wife. And so, um, the, you know, the way you uh, worship Asherah is that there is a... Um, I guess, I guess a religious prostitute that hangs out around the, the pole, the Asherah pole, and you would go and practice what, the, what her and what Asherah and Baal would do so that you would act like the gods. And, that, and so you would have immorality that was supposed to be ritual, ritualistic. And so, I mean, these, I mean, so when there was an Asherah pole in the Bible and you were cutting down an Asherah pole, you weren't just like, cutting down a pole that people bowed down to. You were cutting down a pole that prostitutes would hang around, male and female, that people would have the rit- do those rituals. And so, you know, that context is very important when you see cut down an Asherah pole. I mean, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's something a lot different than just, oh, get rid of a totem pole or something like that. And uh, another one of these gods, which one was pretty scary, it was, uh, it was Molech. And so Molech was actually, one of the altars of Molech was set up by Solomon because he had so many wives that one of his wives forced him to, forced him. He, uh, they, they required him to worship Molech, which this guy, the only way you worship this guy, this is why it's the one that's scary, is the only way you worship this guy is by sacrificing your child. Um, and they had an altar, which was a, just a, basically a furnace that you would put your child into um, to worship, to give Molech, to give you favor. So the guys, this is really heavy stuff. And so when God says to turn away from these gods, he's not just saying, hey, I'm better. Like, I worship me. I'm, I, I'm better than those people. He was literally freeing them from having to do these practices. Because God doesn't require us to sacrifice our child. You know, even the one time where he asked Abraham to sacrifice his child, he said he stopped him at the last second because he was like, no, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm about. I just want... I just want to, you to give me your whole heart and faith. Um, 
And so the last two that I'll just kind of mention are Chamosh and Ishtar, or Ashtoreth. That's both known. So one of them is human sacrifice. That was the one I mentioned before. The, that's the god of the Moabites. And then Ashtoreth is kind of a witchcraft. You, you, uh, it, it has a lot more to do with incense and, um, and actually guidance. You go to like Ishtar to get guidance. It was kind of like a prophet or a seer. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And some people like to compare this to the Ashtoreth as because she kind of looks in some of those pictures, she kind of looks like the Starbucks logo. Um, so people like to say, oh, coffee is worshiping Ishtar. Don't just, th- those are those weird websites you go on the, and you're just like, where do they get this stuff from? But anyway, um, so this stuff is real, guys. This, this, this is their reality. This is not like abnormal as it is today. This is, this is their reality. What they, this is how you worship gods. This is how you get victory in battle. This is how you get your crops, your, the rain for your crops. This is, and this is just normal. This isn't horrifying to them. This is just the way that they lived. And so, and so uh, we're going to continue on in this story uh, of Josiah because he, he had been r- leading for 18 years. So now, he is, uh, now he's 25, you know my age. So, um, so it's, uh, it's kind of scary. I, um, but, uh, (laughs) kind of scary, the parallel here, but, um, in starting in verse, oh, there we go. Starting in verse eight. So Hilkiah, the high priest said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law and the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out, of the, out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read, it, read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Um, and then he started to give these orders. And, and these orders were just, okay, we need to change. Because... For Josiah, he had never heard these words before. He might have heard reference to them. He might have heard reference to the true God. But you never know. He might have just been thinking it was Baal. He might have been thinking it was Asherah. He might have been thinking the true gods were these, peop- were these things. But when he read these words, he realized the futility of their situation. He realized what they were doing and how against the law that they, what they were doing. You know, he probably read... You shall have no other gods but me, says the Lord. And he realized, oh, if they're trying to make us worship other gods, then they don't worship the true God. He might have been reading, you shall remain, you shall keep the temple of my Lord complete, the temple of the Lord completely clean of any other worship. You shall make no other idol to worship instead of me. And he got really scared because they probably had about five or six different altars set up in the temple at the time. And we'll see that from what they tore down. And, and you just see the depravity. You see him, I mean, he tore his robes. That, that's a very, like, it's, it's, a, it's a desperate situation to just, to just rip off your outer garment like that. I mean, it's, it's exposing, it's frustration, it's, it's anger, it's, it's, it's like an unworthiness. Like, I'm unworthy. Like, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be living like this. And to have a young man... To, to be able to have that realization from just hearing the law of the word, the, the word of the word of God is something that I want to imitate so badly. I mean, I want to have that same spirit 
of just reading the law and being like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to change. I need to have this, this heart of just everything needs to change. Everything needs to switch. Everything, and, and, and not only that, but everyone needs to hear about this. Because Josiah did not, like maybe his grandfather Manasseh did, just change for himself. Because when Manasseh was confronted by God, he kind, of, he kind of changed just for himself. He said, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, you know, commit my heart to the Lord. But he didn't command anyone else to do it. And as the king, as a leader, or as someone who is, is following God's word and you don't, you know, tell people about it, that's in itself selfish. That's, that's a selfish act. And so for Josiah, he said, no, gather everyone up. We're going to read this. We're going to do something about it. And we're going to make a change. And so we start to see that put into practice in uh, verse 18 um, of chapter 22. And this is, uh, this is Josiah speaking. Um, tell, tell the king of Judah who sent, you, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Be, or, oh, sorry, this is not Josiah speaking. This is a, um, this is a, uh, a, pro, a priest. And, um, and because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that you would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So they took her back, so they took her answer back to the king. And so, like I said before, you know, when, when, when Josiah had this response, God immediately started to pay attention. And so when we have this response to the word, this, this repentance mindset, this, oh my gosh, what have I done? I need to change. God starts zeroing in on us. He listens to us. He wants to be there for us. You know, repentance has not actually, actually happened yet. I mean, it's, it's, it specifically has not occurred. Just your mindset, that godly sorrow, the, the godly sorrow that's mentioned in 2 Corinthians you know, the alarm, the concern, the readiness to see justice done. I mean, Josiah had it. And so God was like, okay, cool. That's great. But Josiah wasn't done there. He continued, he continued to work. He continued to say, this isn't enough. I mean, I, that's great for me, but I've got a people to take care of. I'm a king of Israel or a king of Judah, you know, king of God's people. I'm a leader. I'm supposed to lead them in the ways that the law explains. And so there was a, he, had, he felt the responsibility to help others change as well. Because not only he needed to hear the law, but everyone else. And so we'll continue reading here and, and start the start of chapter 23. It says, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. That's kind of hard to read for me up on that screen. But uh, he, he went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all, all the people... From the least to the greatest, he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord, to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priests next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. 
he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. And he continues to just do away, the story continues, and I encourage you guys just to read the entire story. You know, I'll give you, I'll kind of give you enough context here to go on, but he just kept, he just kept going. He kept going farther out into the regions, destroying, destroying the altars. He didn't stop in Jerusalem. He didn't just say, okay, we've got the temple cleared out. Hopefully people will follow my example. No, he went out to, to, uh, to the territories. He went out to the surrounding valley. You know, this is kind of an artist's depiction of it. You know, just having to rip down these statues that they had built, just rip down these altars that they had made. You know, it could be viewed as, oh, well, what, a, what a waste. Like, come on, like this is beautiful artwork here that we're talking about. But he wanted no remnant of this, of this, uh, of this culture. This, because it had been 55 years since anyone had followed the law of the Lord. So we're talking generations, people that have been born, raised up, and then had children and born and raised them up since this, I mean, since, since, since the word of the law had even been adhered to. So this is, this is, uh, this is almost like, um, I mean, this is a second generation thing. Think about that. I mean, the, the, just the way that they thought was to worship these gods, Baal, Asherah, um, Ashtoreth, Chemosh, Ishtar, Molech, you know, all these things. Um, it, it had become almost uh, synonymous with worshiping God. And so, so that's what Josiah was on a, on a path to do. He was on a path not only to, to clear himself because God had said, hey, you're good to go. And he said, well, that's not enough for me. I'm, I'm the leader. I got to keep going. And so uh, continuing on in the story, um, he, down in verse 10, he desecrated Topeth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. So no one could use it to sacrifice their son or daughter in the fire of Molech. He removed from the entrance to the temple of the Lord the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were in the court near the room of an official named Nathan Melech. Josiah then burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. And so a dedication to the sun was most likely an Egyptian god. Um, and so, yeah, you've got, you've got them just continuing to rip down things. And so this, valid, this uh, Molech altar was the Solomon altar, the one that Solomon, and Solomon had all types of relationships with Egyptians, Moabites, you know, um, you know, all these different, all these different cultures that he, you know, uh, wanted to, I guess, adhere to as well. Um, so much for all that wisdom, I guess. And, um, and so, and so he, this is the one that Josiah was tearing down. So he had kind of gotten to the end of the, the end of the line here, the oldest altars that had been set up are now destroyed. Everything is wiped clear. Everything is now they're able to start anew. He, he was able to then kind of renew the covenant that God had for his people. Because God was ready to just send them back, send them back into slavery. I mean, he was ready to just, man, these people, I can't deal with them anymore. They need to learn their lesson. Because once something becomes cultural back in that time period, and heck, in this time period as well. Once something becomes cultural, it's so hard to give it up. It's so hard to drop a habit, especially if you, if you uh, relate it to your religion, especially if you relate it to your upbringing, especially if you relate it just to the way things have always been. It's so hard to have been like, but something is telling me I need to stop. It's so hard to recognize that. We can do these mental gymnastics to kind of get over that. But this is what it should look like. It should be like, oh, if, that, if, if I believe that this is the truth and it's telling me to do something, 
I need to rip it down. I need to flip some tables over. I need to, I need to sell some things. I need to wipe some memory, some, some USB hard drives. I need to get rid of some stuff because I can't have any remnants of this because this isn't good. That was the mindset that Josiah had, not, not when he was commanded to, but when he literally just heard the law spoke. He literally just heard it. And he was just like, that's different. That's freedom. I want that. And even more so today, we have that freedom because, because, we, have, uh, because we have an example as well. Not just Josiah, but another J guy who you should know pretty well in Jesus. And so one last verse here um, uh, before I kind of start to uh, take this example and kind of bring it into our time today. Um, it's in verse 25, and I mentioned this before, but it says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. That's not a typo. He means David. He means Solomon. He means any king after him. He means any king before him. They're not, he's not joking. God's, God, there's, this isn't a mistranslation. He, they, God means this, that there's no one like Josiah. And so if there is an example of true repentance in the Old Testament, it's this guy. Because not only he did it for himself, because that's what David did. He, he, he repented for himself. He realized the mistakes that he had done. But not only did that repentance affect him, Josiah, but it affected his people. He led them in the ways they needed to go. And so what does that mean for us? I'm not a king, thankfully. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not, we don't have kings anymore. We don't have a, we don't have a, uh, we have a king of kings and a lord of lords and a, and a, and a guy that, that is our friend in Jesus, which is remarkable that we can have that guy. It's like having Josiah as our friend. But so what does that mean for us today? I think it starts with what Josiah started with, which is we need to, to when we read the Bible, we need to have the same mindset as Josiah. What is God telling me? What in my life is different from this scripture? What maybe culturally have I just assumed or have just lived in that this scripture is refuting? Not, uh, oh, that's always, yeah, that confirms everything I've always thought. Oh, cool, awesome. Let me just read that scripture every day. No, it's an investigation because I don't think Josiah just read one verse meditated on it, and came to this conclusion. He sat down and he listened. He sat down and he read. I mean, he, he poured over these things. It was, it was not just a, oh, I'm going to wait to get inspired to read this stuff. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, you know because we, some, sometimes we like to think, oh, Josiah was just young. He didn't, know any, he didn't know any different. No, he had lived 18 years as a king without doing any of this stuff. So he probably worshipped Molech. He probably worshipped Baal. And Asherah, he probably had done all those things. But he still, once he heard the Lord, once he heard the truth, he saw the freedom in it. And I think that's what we need to be able to see. Do you see the freedom in the Bible? 
when you read the Bible, do you see freedom or do you see boring? Or do you see hard to interpret? Or do you see confusing? Or just, ah, man, that's just not who I am. Because this should be, this should be freeing to you. This should, I mean, this should, this should, this should set you free. And I, those aren't my words. Those are the Bible's words. And so there needs to be an investigation that goes on in your Bible study. And, and if it's not, then you're not trying to access the true potential of the word. Because there's so much in here, guys. This just from this story, you go back and you just see all the, like, the situation that they were in with the pagan gods. Because we can look at this, again, we can look at this story and say, good thing I'm not sacrificing my child. Good thing there's no witchcraft going on. And good thing there's no um, human sacrifice either. I'm good to go. You're reading it wrong. <laughs> because it was normal for them to do that stuff. It's not normal. If you started sacrificing your child, the cops would be called. You would go to jail. You couldn't claim, oh, I'm doing it for God. And, and everyone would be like, oh, cool. I, I thought you were doing it for another reason. No, it would be a crime. It would be, it would be, it would be, everyone would look at you like you were a monster. So you can't just say, I'm not sacrificing my child, so I'm good to go. I'm not sleeping with, with uh, prostitutes, so I'm a-okay. It's like, no, 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 no. What are the normal things in our culture that are against the Bible? What are the normal things in our culture that aren't necessarily evil, that aren't necessarily bad, that aren't necessarily the coat no one would blink an eye at? But if we, if we match it up to the Bible, man. And I think of the things that, that are, because the Bible calls us to a certain standard of holiness, to the glory of God. And so what is, where is your aim? Is your aim just to be a little bit better than your coworkers? Is your aim just to be a little bit more righteous than that person sitting next to you? Because that's not, that shouldn't be our aim. Our aim should be the top. And anything that gets in the way of that should, should, be, should be free game to get out of here. Because that's the type of thing Josiah had in mind. You know, that's the type of thing that, you know, I'm pretty sure there was some like... When he started tearing down some stuff. I'm pretty sure there were some clenched like white knuckles like, are you sure you want to get rid of that? Oh no, the God's going to be really mad. Oh, Molech. Oh, please forgive us. You know, of course that, that we, we don't do anything like that. You know, I mean, come on. If, I'm, sure if I took, I'm sure if I took your phone away, you'd just be like, yes, of course, take it away for God. Absolutely. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it again. You're so right. You are so correct. Burn it in the fire. No, I'm pretty sure we would be like, are you sure? How am I going to send my emails? How am I going to respond to emails? What if somebody sends me a message on Facebook? You know, what if my long lost son sends me a message on Facebook? What, how would I communicate with But guys, I mean, it looks ridiculous because it is. You know, and, and, and the, the situation when I said looking at the Bible is kind of like, I don't know, man. I'm not feeling motivated. I'm not feeling inspired. I don't really, reading it every day is a chore. Guys, I check, I check ESP, the ESPN app probably 15 times a day. And I know it's the same things every time I open it. But that doesn't stop me from checking it. That doesn't stop me from checking it and making sure there's no breaking news on there. That doesn't stop me from being, from being, like, just scrolling for days just in case I miss something. 
My motivation is at an all-time low when checking sports, and I still do it. So why aren't we, which this is supposed to be the truth, why aren't we scrolling for days just in case we miss something? Why aren't we flipping around and trying to find that one thing that will solve our problems? What, there's, you know, there might not be breaking news, but who can trust breaking news nowadays anyway? I mean, you know, this, is, this has stood the test of time. It's been around for a while, guys. Like, it's not going to change, thankfully. You know, it's not going to just change every day. You know, it's going to stay the same. And so I want to scroll through and make sure I didn't miss anything. And so do we have that mindset? And, and, and what about that mindset is so important? Because if we find something that we need to change, we have the truth to back it up. It's not just my word, thankfully. Again, you're glad I'm not a king, and you're glad it's not my words trying to change your mind. You know, what are you willing to do? Because Josiah ripped off his cloak. Josiah burnt down altars that in earlier situations, when you, when you cut down an Asherah, Asherah, Asherah pole, People are like, who do we need to kill? Somebody tore this thing down. What do we need to do? Who tore it down? So he was putting himself out there. He was risking the public shame and embarrassment. But he was willing to do it because he heard the truth. And so if you're just hearing me telling you this, and you're like, oh, I'm going to put David's, what David said into practice. No, no. Find it in the Bible. Find it for yourself. Gain, it, gain that, that strength and, and conviction of when you, when you realize something is off, you're, you're just ripping stuff. You're going, you're going crazy. You look insane to people. And so what are you willing to do? And so are you, is the, is the Bible really setting you free? Or is it just collecting dust on the shelf? Um, because I know for me sometimes that can happen. Um, that, that my, you know, my Bible stays in the same spot all week, you know, I'm, I'm using my, I'm using my app and I'm using whatever, but I'm just like, but I'm not actually picking it up and reading it. I don't know. There's something about this, turning the pages and flipping and, and being like, oh, I know where that is. And just like, it's just, it's just an, it's just something for me, but whatever it is for you, I want it to be yours. I want that conviction to be yours because it truly works. It's the truth. The truth sets you free. So does it set you free or are you feeling confined by it? Are you feeling trapped? Are you feeling alone? And so I wanted to go to some Jesus scriptures real quick because we need some Jesus in this stuff. We need some more Jesus. Jesus is great. So let's go to Matthew 12. This is just, I mean, this is just reinforcing. This is, this is Jesus just basically... This, having the same mindset as Josiah. So it should, it should seem pretty familiar. So what we got here in Matthew 12, starting in verse 43. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, I'd say Molech and Ishtar is an is a impure spirit. It goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. So it's not enough. Once again, I mean, Jesus is literally just repeating 
what Josiah, what Josiah had to do. And if he didn't do it, this is what would have happened. And this is what continued to happen for the rest of the time of the Israelites. Was they sweep stuff clean. They get it all out. They put it back into order. But they forget to replace it with God. And so when there's repentance that occurs, when, there's, when, there, when, you, when you clear out your temple, whatever that is, whatever that is, you know, um, and, and, and whatever happens, you have to replace it with something. It's not good enough just to get rid of it. You know, you have to replace it with something. God calls us in Matthew, in, in the book of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus says you have to cut off your arm. Now, I don't know about you, but my arm is pretty helpful. It's useful for things, especially when I'm speaking. You'll see me doing all the hand motions up here. But when you cut it off, you replace it with God's arm. You replace it with the body of God. So that you actually have a body to go to. You don't just sit there with stump, stump arms and stump legs. You know, you have to replace it with something. Because the spirit will be like, oh, he's weak. We, gotta, we can go back in now. Like he didn't replace it with anything. You know, because it says when an inspired spirit comes out of a person. So someone ex- exiles a demon. And, but then when it says, oh, I'll just go back to the house that I left. It's like, no, you got expelled. But he just is like, I'm just going to go right back in because this is easy pickings for me. We can't be easy pickings for impure spirits because it says they'll take seven more. It's not just the same one. It'll come back sevenfold. It'll come back and just, and just destroy you, take you out. So we've got to have that mindset of Josiah. Of, no, not just this temple, but the surrounding areas, the stuff that may be not as bad. Burn that stuff. Go the extra mile. Take care of it. Wipe it out. And so, you know, I guess my little, I guess a little challenge for you guys. Because, you know, I look at this and be like, okay, well, what do I need to give up? You know, what, what, do, what do I need to get out of the way? What, 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 are the, what are the things in the valleys or in the, or in the surrounding areas that can just, can just get rid of? Because I want to definitely make sure that my temple is cleared, that my communication with God is, 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 is affirmed. And that's what we have with Jesus. But what are the things that might be getting in the way? And so I want, I want you guys to think about something. One of those distractions, one of those things that you just look at daily just to scroll through and hope something new pops up. You know, for me, that would, for me, that would be Facebook. Um, because, man, I don't know the last time I got something meaningful out of Facebook besides someone's birthday. You know, happy birthday, Nick, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and there's like 10 birthdays today, actually. But anyway, see, I'm, I'm getting distracted by Facebook again. So what I want to do is, is you find something for yourself that's a distraction. And for the summer, next three months, June, July, August, get rid of it. See what difference it makes. Because I know for me, when I open my phone, my finger flutters over those apps, like, immediately. I almost, it's, like, it's like if I took it out right now, I could, I could tell you what's on the first thing on my feed in, like, two seconds. Just because my fingers are hardwired to do that. And so, well, first of all, we're not just getting rid of it. Replace it with something. So when you would normally check whatever, when you would normally, if, once you find that thing, read the verse of the day on the Bible app. If that's enough, if that's not enough, read the whole chapter. You know, find a practice that works for you so that you're not just getting rid of it. You're not just pinching the hose, but you're turning off the water and, 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 and finding a new source. Because if you just pinch the hose, whenever you let go or whenever the, you download the app again, the water will just shoot out like normal. I mean, it won't, nothing will change. 
I don't know if that, 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 that metaphor is pretty, I don't know, it can get pretty confusing pretty quick. But, you know, I, I want us to actually change, have an actual impact. Because what does God promise us about the word? What does Jesus promise us about the Bible? And that's in John 8. We could sing this if we really wanted to. I danced the last time. You know, and it, and it would go something like this in verse 31. To the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, hold to my teachings and you're really my disciples and the truth will set you free. Hey! And so, I mean, we can sing this, but do we actually mean this? Because if we don't view the truth as setting us free from anything, why would we read it every day? Who cares? You know, like, why would we care? No, it's something that sets us free. It's something that should free us from our bondage. I mean, it's something that free us from, I don't have to sacrifice my child anymore. Get into that mindset. View, view those small little distractions as that intense and see how your mindset changes from, to the Bible. But you actually have to believe it. Because, and then you actually have to hold to it. Because it says the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said to, this, to them. So they already believed it. But he said, hold to it. And then you will know the truth and that will set you free. And then they, then, then they lost it after that. They believed him for a second. Then he told them this. And at the end of the story, they're ready to stone him for the things that he's telling them. So belief is not enough, guys. You have to believe it, you have to hold to it, and you have to continually, continually apply it. And so one of the, one of the cool things that Josiah did was that he, not, he read the law, and everyone wanted to renew that covenant. And one of the things that he did was he had the Passover feast. He, he, he renewed the covenant by making everyone do the, the Passover feast and to remember, to have them remember. Because what, what are you remembering about the Passover that's so important? It's, it's, three, it's, 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 it's more than three things, but it's, it's three major things. It's, it's God setting us free from the Egyptians. He, he's, he's, he's allowing them to leave the land of Egypt where they were slaves. You know, he's protecting them from the angel of death that was going to pass over and kill the firstborn of all, of all the families in Egypt. And he was giving them something to do to remember him on a daily, weekly, however much you want to do it basis. So that's what we're remembering when we're doing the Passover. We don't do the Passover anymore. What do we do now? The Lord's Supper. It's the same thing. It's the bread. It's the juice. It's the, it's the remembrance of what is, what is Jesus saving me from? What is the blood that I'm putting over my life that is, that is saving us? You know, and that's what we should be remembering. And so this is the perfect thing to, to just ride into communion on because Jesus did everything that Josiah did just without those like 18 years of ruling where he was worshiping all. He was even more perfect than Josiah. There's never been and there will no, ever be no one like Jesus. And that's a fact. There's not going to be another guy that comes. Actually, he'll come and it'll just be the same guy coming back down to earth. We got to be ready for that. And so when we're remembering Jesus, we're not just remembering his, his death. We're remembering his life and we're remembering the legacy he's leaving, behind, leaving in front of him for us. And that's going out and sharing it with people. 
That's not just keeping it for ourselves, but giving it to everyone. And that's, and that's clearing our own personal temple and all the, the little distractions that go along with it. And so with that, we're going to take communion. And I implore you guys to really think about your lives and your commitment to the word and your love for the word and have it like Josiah had. Have it like Jesus had and really reflect on that. So let's go to God in prayer now. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for uh, giving me the words to speak, God. Thank you for giving me your spirit. Thank you for giving all of us the spirit, God, the spirit that cleanses us of our sins, the spirit that uh, allows us to live life renewed with repentance, with hope, with a future. God, I'm so grateful for all of that. But, you know, none of that would be possible without the sacrifice your son made. And that's, that's the reason we're, I'm praying right now. That's the reason why we're here today. That's the reason why we're able to have this beautiful relationship with you, praying to you, reading your word, putting it into practice, and allowing our lives to be changed. God, thank you for Jesus. Oh, man, it, life would be pretty scary without him, God, and I'm just so grateful for that. Um, I pray that we can all live refocused lives, renewing our covenant that we made when we said Jesus is Lord. Thank you for all the ways you blessed us. I love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Oh, man, thank you so much, David. David. <laughs> David, there you go, in the back. Uh, for just really sharing the word and allowing God to, allowing the spirit to use you in such a powerful way to really bring the word. And, man, I don't know about you, but I'm convicted. <laughs> you know, just just by the questions, you know, questions like, um, is the Bible setting you 